Hello and welcome to episode 50 of Horse Heretics. I'm Neil. I'm William. And today we will be finishing off Angel Exterminatus by Graham McNeil, the much-awaited 50th episode, which we kept <laughs> everybody waiting for an extra two weeks. Um, <laughs> just build it. It needed more care and attention. That's why, wasn't it? You know, we were just like, we've got to mark the anniversary with something special. So that's why you had to wait longer. That's just bullshit. Oh, so, so you've got something special planned. Well, excellent. <laughs> off you go. No, it's actually, it's actually, if anything, going to be more on the hoof than than a normal episode. So um, it's special yeah. in that regard. Yeah, so um, everybody, you'll all be looking forward to finding out what happens in this episode. <laughs> and in many ways, we are too. So, so um, it's, we did finish the reading for um, two weeks ago, but we just didn't have time to actually record the thing. So we are we are remem- reading through notes. Will didn't even make any fucking notes. So <laughs> I thought I was going to be talking about it that day. I'd read about a third of it on the day that I was thought I was going to be. So I was just like, just it's all crammed in my head. It's like I'm ready for an exam, and then like uh, we didn't happen. So so here I am uh, without that knowledge. But I was just I was just um, pausing there to reflect on happily reflect on the fact that we can laugh in a jolly way our own incompetence in this podcast because we don't make anyone pay for it because you know what I mean like say say you were actually like even if you had adverts or like it was some sort of thing you were getting paid for and you're just like um just having a great time laughing at how incompetent we are you know how unprepared (laughs) and incompetent we are it would seem like a bit of a slap in the face but I mean like um if you're still listening as it it is with this podcast if you're still listening by episode 50 you know more fool you you know at this point (laughs) we really appreciate it we don't (laughs) understand um now if we had like advertising i would feel a sort of sick sense of of indulgence in making it even more cobbled together (laughs) so that you know you would have you would have like this episode is brought to you by i don't i don't fucking know squarespace or something or like one of those mattress companies that keep um, advertising on podcasts um, and I just go I don't give a fuck about these people's products <laughs> I don't give a shit about our listeners sleep um, <laughs> I, I don't care about their banking habits um, I, a- anything like that like, um, yeah. so I would just be like fuck your products let's to, make this shit to even even jokingly to put us in the rolled up mattress bracket um, is you know you're dreaming now um <laughs> Well, or we could go down the other funding route and do a Patreon. Um, The top levels could be uh, a signed copy of your book, which is probably going to be like that's going to inflate the figures of the number of people who buy that by significant percentage. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to have to be an expensive fucking backer level because like the book's not going to be cheap um, that, that much I know. Um, whenever really, it does what, get what kind of, what kind of price range are you talking about? This is this is deep academic stuff, isn't it? So, are we talking like sixty, seventy quid? Uh, well, yeah, for the like, just looking at comparable sort of books by the same publisher, the hardback, which I mean, this will probably only ever be a hardback, um, is seventy five pounds um, nice. for a cool one book. I have like I have seen books of, of a similar type get released in paperback which are like 20 pounds um but uh are you yeah. um are you following like black libraries habit will that come with like a, <laughs> a sort of fake leatherette cover and um 
you know, like a, a nipple ring or something like that. I don't know. Um, yeah, maybe. Will maybe. It have a big blinking eye on the cover. I could see about getting a bespoke one made. You know. Um, <laughs> yeah, that that's one of those like only one of these backer levels exist, and it's like <laughs> twenty grand or something like that. Uh, and like a, a level down that, you know, you'll get an invite to my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, Angel Exterminatus, we've got a book to cover, Will. Yep. Um, let's, let's begin at where we left off last episode. Let's stay traditional, shall we? Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was another Theogenes bit, but I'm going to miss all these out because it turns out they're shite and they don't matter. <laughs> That's funny. You're like, let's stay traditional. And I was going to joke, I was going to say, yeah, we've not re- yet reached the stage where we jump whole middle sections of the book. <laughs> <laughs> And you were literally like, let's just fucking not talk about this. <laughs> let's just jump to thanking all our listeners and saying we'll be back in two weeks. Um, uh, yeah, so the, the, there was a Theogenes bit about like the, the origin story, I think, of Ferris Manus, but it was boring and it doesn't matter. So um, the plot, Fulgrim is back on his ship. He's remaking uh, La Fenice. And he's um, standing around, seeing all the work going on around him. And he sees Ferris Manus in the shards of the mirror that they took from Prismatica, I think it was in the old story. Uh, and he's like, he just is such a sort of whinging, kind of British aristocratic, you know, like a Brideshead Revisited type. You know, he's, uh, he, he says he has to leave to be trepanned. Because he's got like, he's he's got the vapors or something like that, um, but he says that Lafinis must be rebuilt and filled with all manners of degradations, so that you know all will know the full glory of 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 sensation and all that kind of shit. Yeah, and um, it's it's just whenever Fulgrim is in the book, in fact, the Emperor's Children, it's it's very good and um, they're now my faves but at the same time as this is happening Wayland the he is the iron hand he goes to see the this fella called thematica who is the other iron hand he's like in the workshop of the Sisyphean. oh this this guy's a dick right yeah sorry this yeah. guy's a complete dick <laughs> like he is a he basically is the reason why loads and loads of people on that ship get killed and yeah. he's just just by not following proper protocol in his experiments. He's the Space Marine version of James May's Man Lab, this guy. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, yeah, 99% of listeners are not going to know what <laughs> Man Lab is. Um, think of... God, how would you describe it, Will? It's a, 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 a sad, lonely 50-year-old man. He, I mean, James May, is a, he represents a certain type of lame... People do love Top Gear, so maybe they will. He's one of the Top Gear people. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Top Gear, I guess that has worldwide um, yeah. fame. I mean, um, and he, but he's a sort of like a, a, a hero to like you know fifty plus sort of losers. You know, fifty who, fifty plus married men who don't like their wives. <laughs> Do like Brexit and do like cars. Um, uh, yeah, and do like a, a full English breakfast in the morning. <laughs> they do like their sheds and where now, they can have their collection of, of toy trains. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's basically what this like. So like, 
Um, <laughs> that's James May's whole TV gimmick is a celebration of that lifestyle, essentially. Yeah, and like so, he had like um, I don't even know what was really on it, but he had this like uh, program at one point called James May's Man Lab that <laughs> we we used to make fun of, and I think it's um, it was basically just like he just got up to like tinkering and experiments and uh, engineering challenges yeah. or whatever in his shed or you know <laughs> what the, the the studio that was meant to represent his shed whatever it was yeah. um, but it's a place where a man can go where he won't be nagged by bloody women he <laughs> won't have to he won't have to like worry about all that like political correctness stuff you know that people are oh, making. <laughs> political correctness that doesn't come in that doesn't come in anywhere whenever he's making his like egg cracking machine or something or or like his his exact scale replica of a famous car because <laughs> he's like this is a man lab yeah um but thematica is that he is building <laughs> uh like high-tech uh weapon really that will transport one solid matter into another solid matter and thereby destroying both and he is going to do it on um Perturabo or maybe Fulgrim, can't remember which. And it's a way to kill a Primarch. And it's a huge weapon. He gives it a trial. Um doesn't work. Well it no, it does work, but like it all the all the glass shatters all around it. You know what happens in a sci fi story when yeah. uh, a bodged bit of machinery works for on the first time all the other lights go out the glass cracks but when they get the emergency power back on it sort of worked it just needs to be tweaked i mean he thinks he thinks he's having a right old laugh all the time just carrying out uh, very dangerous uh, engineering experiments often against the orders and wishes of his um like commanders and crewmates uh and um like yeah, so he he invents a thing and it fucks up, and basically puts all their lives in danger by revealing them to, um, the Iron Hands. Yeah, yeah, Iron, totally. Iron Warriors, rather. Sorry, fucking hell, this book was. Con- yeah, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> and um, at the same time on that ship, they are are being um guided by that other Karuchi Vola, who will take them on the paths above or the paths below. I can't remember. Yeah. Um and it's basically a choice. Uh they're behind now. Um but their route is faster but is also more dangerous. Um but it's all right because we don't really n- need to know anymore uh, about that path cuz it doesn't really come up again. Um there are probably there are quite a few other characters here that we should probably touch on what's happening to them. If you remember Cassander and Navara, they were Imperial Fists, I think. Um, who were captured by Fabius Bile and he was conducting mad experiments on them. Yeah. And, and they have basically had bits grafted onto them and uh, weird alien appendages and being dosed with um, uh, with drugs and stuff. Cassander tries to... Well, he does get free, but uh, Bile stabs him with the anathem that actually um, sickened Horus. Uh, and led to that and he cuts him in the shoulder with that and feel he begins to feel the worst pain ever and cassandra and navarro both get like dosed with these ultra massive 
space marine drugs which causes them to bulk up and get like hyper angry and um they're basically what everyone says that um roids do to pro wrestlers you know they just turn into big roided up crazy people these were like like my mental image of this was the kind of like enemies you encounter in the latter stages of a resident evil game you know like (laughs) yeah um, like the massive monsters with like eyes and their shoulders and stuff like that um and but like they're they're sort of the size of a wall you know their upper bodies are just like fucking incredible hulk style um and they are used as sort of mad berserker warriors um whenever the the emperor's children attack um and and then so so yeah so the with the the iron hands ship with the with the other characters we've met the raven guard guy sharokin and um the other dudes uh like that salamander guy and stuff they they drop out of um out of their route on the ways below or whatever it was and and then it's like the emperor's children and the uh, iron warriors are like right uh, what are we going to do now basically and, and they they fall out of their their warp path because thematica has like drawn all the engine's power into his tinkering yeah and then he fucking jokes about it afterwards that was the bit that really got me he was like <laughs> he was keeping up with his patter of like you know oh but i'm just a mad experimenter guy you know i just have a laugh and it's you know and i was just yeah. like no mate that's not, not funny at this point exactly in the same <laughs> way that like uh, jeremy clarkson whenever he was told he couldn't have a steak at a restaurant, punched the person in the face and got (laughs) fired. Uh, He just went on to get like loads of more highly paid jobs and just went, oh, you know, boys will be boys. When in fact he like committed assault on somebody who got paid far, far less than him and was just doing his job. Anyway, that's, you know, that's the kind of cunt that we're talking about here. Uh, (laughs) um, What else? Oh, there was this wonderful scene. It's not important, but I loved it. This, these characters, Fulbron and Grendel, not not important in the story, <laughs> oh, yeah. but they they were taken to La Finice by <laughs> Idolon, and they're basically <laughs> they were basically um, they got drunk and high. Um, Fulbron is given this like cup full of like exotic spirits, and he drinks it, and he's just like, oh whoa, this is amazing! I what is all this stuff? What is all the the debauchery going on here but i kind of quite like it <laughs> and they literally sit down with hookers and um it's like there's like a crack smoking scene and uh Fulbron is like all you know he's, he's taking crack for the first time he's going all woozy but he's loving it and he's about to just like completely submit to the virtues of of pleasure and pain and grendel punches him in the face and takes him away and that's when uh, Perdurabo, like, slaps him awake and says, "What were you doing?" And it, it, Perdurabo knows that, like, um, obviously the Emperor's children are trying to uh, take some of his sons and turn them to their own to their own use. So he already knew that Fulgrim had turned to like this absolute sadistic madman. He already knew he wasn't to be trusted, but now he knows that you know he's. He, I think he also knows that he's going to be betrayed and possibly killed um, by, you know, by seeing all of this evidence. Um, but it was, um, 
it was it was really good fun but uh there was they were literally just like uh at a swingers orgy i don't know the, the, yeah it's, it's just the dynamic between the emperor's children and the iron uh, warriors that they're both um, you know obviously they're both supporting uh horus but um <laughs> the, the the iron warriors were are like the squares in this situation you know and, and they're um, being oh this is appalling this um you know, yeah. full demonic behavior going on um but uh but this? you were right um the um thematica caused the sisyphium to drop out of the warp and to sort of, i think to also lose the capability to fire weapons and <laughs> and pretty much everything and the emperor's children and the iron warriors have to have a decision to make and yeah because like it's to do with like whether they're going to board them or not isn't it and then yeah and and because i think and originally the iron warriors are just like look we can just shoot them down basically yeah um and for some reason i can't remember why maybe it's just because i don't maybe it's i don't know i can't remember why the, the emperor's children just want to like uh rub it in to the iron to the iron oh yeah hands uh, one last time, you know, it's like I I killed your Primarch. Now I'm going to board your ship and kill you too. Yeah, and and so they um, they board it. Um, <laughs> I thought this was a cool action scene here, where like so these these guys like um, board the ship uh, in their like little cylinder things that they fire across. I think, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and then just like in response to that, like some of the iron hands like one of their leaders has like assembled a massive like tank force that just <laughs> goes racing towards them and and um and it was some pretty cool action there and and some of these guys that fabius bio has like mutated and stuff um or you know grafted yeah. stuff shit onto made into sort of new forms uh they are involved in this fight as well um including those guys that were iron fists and they but they they retain some sense of like themselves but they can't fully control their actions so one of them like finds himself killing a loyalist space marine and sort of disgusted at himself but um yeah yeah um and uh there's a good scene of uh, i think I think Bombastus walks through a wall and crushes a few <laughs> traders i think that, that there was a, a good bit about that um and, and Thematica actually saves them by taking control of the ship and, and like using his weapon and speeding it up really fast, basically using it as a rocket and it just shoots through the uh, Emperor's Children flagship, uh, meaning it's just like fucked. And um, Perturabo goes, well, you know, you know, fair's fair. You're all dickheads. I don't care. Yeah, because uh, some of them they went on. Did they board as well after the Emperor's Children? The... Yeah, yeah. Some of them were as well. And um, but Fabius Bile takes the um, Iron War. The is it the Salamander Apothecary? Uh, like vivisects him and takes his gene, gene seed. Important oh, yeah. little tidbit for the end. Oh yeah, because that, that's the bit where um, that's the bit where they're after. Um, the dude that was like the, the the frozen guy they wake up to speak for five seconds occasionally. Like, yeah, right. They were after him, weren't they? And that's when the dreadnought smashed through the wall. That's when um Bombastus showed up. Um yeah. so I can't remember actually what happened to that. But um that seems like it probably was meant to be important. But Fabius wanted wanted that guy's um gene seed presumably as well. Yeah. And gets and and gets it. 
then that's the end of that book thank god um then another theogenes one a very boring one about fulgrim again unimportant don't need to talk about that can i just, um, sorry before we move on like so yeah i think what you described has already confirmed it but this like the way they escaped i was like did they just go through yeah the other ship um, yeah and and survived yeah it seemed to be yeah that doesn't seem right maybe not unscathed but uh <laughs> didn't seem to cause major harm no no they, they, they were just like we seem fine that other much bigger ship is fucked <laughs> yeah. um here we have uh Perderabu pondering when fulgrim's betrayal will happen but and the, the reason he gives for not saying like for just like not sacking it off and just going fuck this i'm away like you would expect somebody who knows they will be betrayed he says he's given his oath and we'll see it to the end now that's the stupid sense of endless duty that perderabo you know sees as a, a, a defining characteristic and is ultimately his downfall there's there's is this is this when um perderabo sort of takes charge of the expedition about now. yeah yeah so like he beats up fulgrim and says that uh, i'm taking control you all have to follow me you've undersold that man because that was like i i really enjoyed this scene actually i thought it was it, it was genuinely surprising it was like a it was like um uh ray winston in um in what's that film scum or something where like he's in prison and he like oh god and he's like uh, you know, has to have his moment of extreme violence to kind of like, yeah. you know, establish his authority. Because like, Perturab was like pissed off with getting, um, uh, you know, with Fulgrim basically ordering him about. Um, and then so he's there's this scene where he's in his chamber and he's building like, he's built this really like he's building on his desk this really elaborate like model of something what was it again like a I, titan. I think it was yeah, i think it was a titan like a yeah warhound titan or something yeah which was a cool little just like uh meta moment of like a, a minute a, you know a games workshop miniature being built <laughs> yeah. on the and like um but the um so anyway it's like it's some really fancy thing and he's and a uh, fulgrim comes in and they're having some debate and then like I was probably surprised with this. He just grabs Fulgrim's face and smashes it down yeah. into the model, and I was like, "That was an effect. That was a really effective scene." And that was him being like. Then he sort of, yeah, I think does but it, it, beat it, him up after that, and he's like, "It, um, it was kind of cool because he was like, have you seen the? Have you seen this model I'm making here? It's really detailed.'" And he's like, "Oh yeah, that's really detailed. That's good. I like the, like the the painting. No, no, no. L- look closer." It's like, no, it's very detailed. No, no, no. Get, get, get right in close there. Get right in close, and he gets in, and he just like bam off the table. You know, yeah. it was really great. Smashes the whole thing, and like then he basically says like, "I'll come with you, but I'm in charge, sort yeah. of, basically." Um, and you know, I, I'm in charge of the expedition, and so uh, yeah. Uh, on that basis, they continue. They continue and arrive at the gold planet. Um, at the heart of the maelstrom which was always the goal and there is a supermassive black hole at the at the center of it but the planet is somehow not being dragged into it and it's it's thought that it's some trickery of the elder gods that that mean means the gravity doesn't pull them in 
perturbo because he has ultimate control destroys the surface of the planet apart from this single citadel that they're going to um and they they go to the surface and the iron warriors being them they start like building proper defensive redoubts and stuff like that and it's it's a weird place and i can't i couldn't really grab hold of what they were saying but in some way the building of the the defenses wouldn't wouldn't take like they, they couldn't build on things yeah something about uh, the ground just wouldn't you know it just wouldn't support accept it yeah it's like um but yeah it was a little bit vague and um as to how exactly that was the case but uh yeah so they because obviously per wants to get down and build heaps of forts and stuff um, and <laughs> even though there's no sign of any enemies whatsoever but just finds the place dodgy like and um, yeah and then like this completely <laughs> this, this completely um you know uh completely alien um you know world turns out to have um your classic sort of um fluted tower um you know glass thin glass spires sort of yeah um of such of such un otherworldly intricacy and all you know all of that stuff yeah and there are lots and lots of statues with crystals in their <laughs> heads or chests or something this is like this was the, the fucking <laughs> dodgiest you know what i mean like they're, they're just walking in being like these are i mean they're just statues they're obviously yep. just statues um and it's just like it's just like come on guys you're really suspicious of this planet in general but there, no one's been like do you think these statues might be some sort of warriors that come to life no one no <laughs> one considers that for a second and you've um, got to understand that these are not book readers or movie watchers <laughs> they're not sci-fi fans if they were they would instantly know that before too long they're going to be battling these but, warriors but it's just a juxtaposition of those suspicious warrior statues all over the place with their general massive sense of unease that something bad is about to happen on this planet <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it's not like they haven't fought like aliens and seen chaos demons and shit before you know what i mean it's like uh so like these guys have seen some weird shit they should they, <coughs> should they should be prepared but also like lucius does i think accidentally break one of the statues and the stone explodes and he has re- almost or maybe literally orgasmic pleasure from it and then other people see that and they start purposefully breaking the stones and like rubbing the putting the stones in wounds in their bodies and stuff and they they get such enormous pleasure from this they actually they start rioting amongst each other Uh, or at least the emperor's children do the iron warriors move on because they that you know they obviously don't care about that sort of thing um what happens next so kroger makes it to the center of the citadel first um harker and tolomino are with him but we learn that yeah we we learn here that like tolomino and harker start talking about like the present presence of high and low-born warriors that, that like harker is from the higher caste in the society of um the iron warriors whereas kroger is low-born and i was like i've never heard anything like this before yeah this was like this was a weirdly sort of underdeveloped bit that um 
and and too too uh, introduced too late to be of interest and note. It just felt like no, you can't be introducing this shit now. Well, yeah, this is like you know because there was that guy, um, you know, there was the scene much much earlier on where Harker, because he was the former leader that Kroger replaced, wasn't he? Um, of that that mm-hmm. guy you're talking about, yeah, and yeah. like um, so there was a whole thing earlier on where like he came to Kroger and was like like you should have me as your lieutenant because yeah yeah you can't trust me but blah 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 you know um basically like it was setting up what seemed like it might be quite an interesting dynamic where you know he would actually where Kroger would actually take on the guy he'd displaced as his as his um advisor you yeah. know and, and there would be a, a sort of distrust but some kind of interesting relationship and that just like Nothing is done with that until this mm-hmm. point. I don't. I, I think literally. Like, I, I don't think. Yeah, there's, there's I, like, I think so. Um, and um, and then and then it's suddenly like so you're thinking it's going to be this kind of subtle thing that may end in betrayal, but may not. You know, and it probably would go through a bunch of stages. But no, it's just straight up. He's like, yeah, I was just I'm just wanting to get close to him so I could betray him basically. And <laughs> um, uh, and and like it's totally straightforward like that. And he you know so he teams up with. This other guy that was like put out by the whole promotion process earlier in the yeah. in the book, and they, and then I don't even really understand what was the point of their betrayal for the story. Um, yeah, no, well, I mean that I've got a a wider problem that that is just a, a sort of a part of that. Um, I think we can talk about it at the end. Um, Fulgrim and Perdurabo are going through the maze. I should also say that at this stage, Fulgrim is sweating light. <laughs> um and to to steal a, a phrase used in these books everyone is fully sanguine about that they like not a not a fucking mention um only Perdurabo can sort of get them through this crazy maze and that is why he was brought because obviously his legion were not needed for the destruction of any citadel uh, they just they just needed his sort of big maze brain so that they could that. make it through here. Well, the fact he's like he's just a maze savant. That's like his one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's his. You know, you've got like Angron, who's the ultimate warrior, and um, uh, the one with wings, and uh, this guy can do a Rubik's cube. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, and I've, I've, I wrote down, I didn't write down that many quotes, but this is an absolute beauty. To get them through the maze, Perturabo kept true to his principle of interdimensional calculus. <laughs> his principle of it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, so Perturabo knows, uh, like takes him to this sort of crossing roads and it's the final turn and he calls on Vola who um, who is their guide and he's a bit of a mess he's shaking and and just not not doing well and he asks about the lights in the walls there are all these you know crystals lighting the place and vola doesn't really say anything about them and he tells vola to pick the the path and he says he points them in one direction um but that's the wrong direction and he snaps his neck that's it for their vola so they continue on down the right um the right path Outside of all this, outside of the citadel in the maze, the emperor's children have started to slaughter their own men. They've just lost control because of the pleasure of eating and 
destroying these these crystals and stuff like that and uh, the blood spilling is absolutely terrible and they start turning on the iron warriors and stuff um and there are Kaesoron is it Kaesoron so. Forex goes up to him and asks them why they did it uh the ground splits open and the gemstones in the statues come to life and they're confronted by the Eldar dead and they start battling them too and there are titans Eldar versions of titans which sounds cool but really I didn't feel that they were given enough time um, yeah most of their fighting sort of happens off screen doesn't it or like, yeah yeah kind of um but back down in the maze Perturabo um steps into this sort of pillar this column of light uh in the final spherical room and goes to the center of this fake planet um and he, he starts hearing like he starts being talked to by the souls of the dead and he finds that this planet is not a mausoleum which he thought it was but it's actually a storage place for the souls of the dead eldar that those are the stones the stones are soul stones they contain dead eldar souls and you can hear a bit about the eldar history and um you know the the fact that they ruled the galaxy and uh developed this really complicated culture that just got really lazy and decadent and through just sheer decadence caused their own destruction uh by slanesh the, the chaos god and they aren't sort of keening a sad song they're actually warning him um and he decides that he wants to kill fulgrim finds himself in a spherical chamber with a, a thin path to the middle where he sees fulgrim at the center because because did we say like fulgrim kind of fucked off earlier like oh yeah he... sorry yes whenever um they got to the central uh the central sort of thing at the center of the maze um all the emperor's children sort of fuck off and leave uh the iron warriors to you know kill some some more crystal warriors or whatever they, the hell they're and they, it's, there's quite a little cool little description of how they sort of morph out of the walls yeah um, to attack them but yeah they're, so they're having a big firefight with them up there um uh, so there as i say the uh fulgrim's at the center of this central chamber there's a thin path leading to it um, and Fulgrim says that um, he needs Perturabo as he wants to be reborn as the angel exterminatus. Perturabo is a sacrifice. He's going to kill him. Um, let's not go back to the, the surface. Let's finish off what this is. Uh, Fulgrim says um, that the, the stone that asked, acted as the clasp to the cloak that he gave him is actually a Eldar thing that drains Primark strength, I guess. Well, that's quite funny because remember, like when, in the first uh, half when we, when we were talking about this, like we we, we were just like this is really funny random bit where he just like gave him this nice coke and he really liked it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, he he says that uh, Perturabo is to be the sacrifice. Um, and Fulgrim tells him a little bit about like how, how he has a demon inside him and all of that kind of stuff. 
every stone set in the wall there are like millions of stones set in this in the walls of this huge chamber to illuminate it and they look like stars in the distance and they all shoot out uh, to surround the the center of the of this chamber um fulgrim takes the stone of the cloak and puts it on himself and perturab was feeling like de-energized and like he, he can barely do anything um his followers um that he left behind start tipping the mirrors that they brought from prismatica and they start falling down uh all around them and this is the city of mirrors apparently and yeah the fulgrim starts hovering here because he's building up such chaos energy inside him uh perderabo hugs him uh just to try and like to get back the the stone that was stolen from him and they both fly straight on upwards but perderabo is the one with you know endless reserves of self confidence and and you know he will he will try to the very end um and you know he knows that people always underestimate him and he thinks fulgrim has done it again so he starts with the sheer bloody minded strength of will starts stealing the power back from the stone you know who the fuck knows uh and fulgrim stabs him which you know should have done that at the start (laughs) anyway um they fly back up and end up in the chamber where a load of emperor's children and uh, iron warriors are fighting each other. Now these crystal warriors are coming and attacking them. Fulgrim is glowing. He's got black eyes. He's like he's pulsating and all kinds of shit. Um, Eidolon comes up to Fulgrim and starts stabbing him a bunch more time and ripping open the wounds. And he starts putting some more of these stones in the wounds. And Fulgrim is like begging him not to, but he's continuing to go. And he says he only has the, the one more stone to go. The the last stone, Perderabo's stone. But Perderabo actually has it in his hand. He's stolen it back. And um, I think there's a silly argument. I can't quite remember it about godhood um, and that no one ever cared enough about the dreams of Perderabo. He's like he's very um whingy really here. Um and then Fulgrim shows him that he can make all his dreams real and they have a vision. And it sounds really nice. Uh, they have like a they go and have a drink together in a in a nice bistro. Like it's literally <laughs> called a bistro on some nice palazzo or something like that. Um and they start discussing um oh how how Fulgrim can make all of the dreams of Perderabo real like like this one. But Perderabo says it's this isn't real. Uh he know and he knows it's not. Uh, Fulgrim says he will do whatever he needs to. All Perderabo needs to agree to is to die. And that sacrifice will bring um, the angel exterminatus back in the form of uh, Fulgrim. Um, and he drops the stone down this shaft uh, um, all the way through the planet and just says, you know, like, fuck you. At which stage, a, the robot eagle, <laughs> fuck's sake, you know, it just gets like even more tenuous. The robot eagle 
from the Iron Hands people. They've, they've got here as well. It flies down and plucks up the stone and flies away with it. Lucius shoots the eagle and damages it. And he has a good fight, really quite good fight, with um, Sharokin. And yeah. uh, Sharokin fights him and kills Lucius. He makes a fool of him. He's a far better swordsman than Lucius. And I was like, fuck, that's great. You know, that's uh, th- this story has good odds. Or, uh, you know, it's got... It's, this thing has, has, has got real wit and means things to major characters in this story. Uh, that soon gets fucked with, but um, I've, that's what I thought at the time. Perturabo is feeling his energy returned after Sharikin gets the stone and destroys it. Um, Perturabo uses his hammer and kills Fulgrim. Um but Fulgrim has like absorbed all of the energy from all of these stones that have been flying around the planet. Uh, all of the stones on the planet destroys all of them. And that the use of Perturabo's hammer in killing Fulgrim makes him explode in a light of like rebirth. I, I know this sounds fucking mad. <laughs> I know that. Um, but that's what was said in this book. And he gets reborn as a big snake monster with purple claw arm wing things um and horns and shit and it turns out and i this is this is where i really got pissed off with this story so the stakes in this are one of these primarchs is going to die uh perturabo is going to know that fulgrim is going to fuck with him so he's going to kill him first Otherwise, Fulgrim's going to sacrifice him in order to become this demon. Fulgrim either becomes a super powerful demon and Perturabo dies, or Perturabo gets the other ha- upper hand and kills Fulgrim. But no, Perturabo manages to survive, kill Fulgrim, but Fulgrim manages to find another way to make the Angel Exterminatus to be reborn. And so there are no stakes here. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I take that point. Like, uh, and. It's sort of um, um, and I wouldn't. Well, we'll get to our sort of final appraisal, but yeah. like, um, you know, it's just it's it's the trap that these books can often fall into is just having to tread water. Essentially, you know, what I mean, we've, yeah. had, we've had this problem in in previous books where it's like a whole bunch of stuff happens that ultimately amounts to nothing, really. You know, like yeah, um, like I, I, th- that's the thing, like. Um, the lives of the Primarchs had been mapped out before this book was written. So, fine, but then don't write this story. You know, don't, don't have this set up only for nothing to matter. I think yeah. that just, it, it's the author undercutting his entire plot here. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, so that's more or less the end of the book, right? Um, yeah, I just want to, it, it happens again. There is another Theogenes for Lucius is reborn by Bile you know yeah fuck's sake you know that at the end of this everyone's still alive um bile and lucius escape after navarre and cassander get free and start fighting them um they destroy the these like this zygote samples that fabius bile had been collecting the gene seed for um from all of the legions um and they managed to uh, Cassander and Navarre managed to destroy them all, apart from one, which is the um, 
developed from the gene seed of the uh, salamander uh, apothecary who we talked about a, few, uh, a little while ago. And there is some writing on the tube that says it's scorched and stuff, but it says Hon Su. So this is the development of uh, Warsmith Honsu, who is an important character in the lore, as I like to call it. Right. And that's it. That's the end of it. Um, what a what a terrible end. You see, like, I don't disagree with the points you've just made. Oh. And yet... Sounds a bit like you're going to disagree with the no, points I've made. I, I, oh, no, I genuinely don't. Like, when the stuff you've outlined there, like, I, I agree. And yet, when I actually read this book, which was, like, a while ago now, like, um, I got to the end of it thinking, thinking, I really, really liked that. And I was like, I feel like that's Graham McNeil's... Um, that's his, like... You know, I feel like, you know, obviously him and Dan Abnett are kind of held up as the two... At least in this series, you know they're the two yeah. sort of lead, leading authors, um, and you know that comes comes through. It's pretty obvious that that's how it's seen, and and yeah. like um, the, and I was always like, well, you know, there are sometimes signs that they are, um, you know, that there there's something, I don't know, like some sometimes we've read, but like being completely honest, you know, there's some bits they've done that are good, but being completely honest, like. It mostly hasn't stood out that their books are like any better really than anyone else's in this series no. um you know but this one i was like i was like this is my i was just thinking this is in terms of this series bear in mind when i use this phrase <laughs> this is um graham mcneil's sort of to me it was like graham mcneil's unexpected and messy uh horace heresy masterpiece right it was the one that, the one that stood out to me is like that's his that's the one i'd say you know graham mcneil's he's done it like he's done what he wants to do here and like that when i say unexpected i mean because the book is in many ways like is filler type book um, yeah in a lot of ways as, as you've just talked about and it is messy in some ways like we've said about it. there appears to have been a whole like you know, a whole plot line of this guy that was going about with Kroger that's just been kind of um, yeah. ditched, mostly. And, like, and there's, there's like... I mean, this doesn't really stand out from any other books, but or maybe most of them, but, like, there's too many characters, probably. Yeah. You know, um, just too much going on. But, but And the, the thing that's annoying me right now is because it's a while since I read this, I can't really remember what is the evidence that backs up that statement that I've just made about it, like thinking that this is a cut above. But um, no, I, I think I, I agree with that. Like, I would say in my overall wash-up of this is that it is really good. Um, I love the first half of it. Um, the reasons why we said in the last episode why we liked it still stand. It gave Perdurabo a character. It gave Fulgrim a, char- a good character. And it had real pleasure in the language used in describing uh, the Emperor's children. It was like they haven't been described better in this series. They were it was really, really well done. Yeah, that continued like that. That did continue. There was enough space in the book to be able to to develop characters. And I liked that It, it was a mess, but I think the messiness helped. Uh, you know, sometimes you can read a messy book and just go, I, I don't want to cut anything from that because I like the mess of it. Yeah. 
that's kind of what I would say here. I guess from just a, a plot point of view, I liked what they'd set up and I hated the resolution. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's, it's lazy to have crystal powered robot creatures. They weren't robots, they were uh, statues. But we've all like, we've seen that a thousand times before. Like, I, I don't like the fact that whenever we both read this and saw loads of statues with crystals in them, we knew that they would be coming alive very soon and attacking <laughs> them. You know, I don't think I don't think that's good writing. I don't think that's a good idea. Me, think of something else. You do know, you, do you know like the the bit where I mean this is especially because I and I could remember the general thing of it happening in terms of the sort of end bit or series of bits where they're in a big you know magical cavern of chaos light and whatever and like mm -hmm. all this shit is happening like one person's getting their power drain one person's you know and like they're just they're just like aha but i'm doing this sort of magic you know or you know yeah. but this is how i interpret what this demon yeah. thing is you know like and it was just like fucking hell like I, like I remember a whole bunch of that stuff happening and i was like but you know if, if you hadn't been there to you know at least give us the outline of that i'd have been like there was a whole thing in the fucking <laughs> like you know really like i i you know what i mean like that like looking back yeah. i don't think i remember thinking it was too bad at the time but it is like a typical type of scenario that we've encountered yeah. in these books where it's like there's a whole bunch of magic and ancient chaos forces and it's all coalescing in this white shaft of light and you know uh whatever the fuck and it's just all a maelstrom of shit going on like um, yeah and and it's um but in this situation like you say fulgrim just being able to be like well actually i'm drawing my power in this way and it's like yeah um and but like fulgrim must feel like a, a bit of an arsehole at this point because he spends so much time like tricking Perdurabo into coming with him. In the end, he didn't need Perdurabo at all. <laughs> like he could have just gone to the fucking center himself and just um I suppose he needed him to get through the the um the maze. But he's I'm sure he could have found a better way uh to get to the maze. Um and he in the end he uses all these stones. So it just it was just I just think really badly plotted I stuff that you know that all said I really enjoyed it you know the I, the plot left me a bit frustrated but all of the good things and there were a lot of good things we didn't say bombastus died but for for bringing us bombastus <laughs> bombastus died but oh did he live he, but <laughs> hat tip to Graham McNeil for bringing us Bombastus, um, um, and that would you know good on him for that. I mean, like now that I come to think about it, right? This book is probably this book saw um, Fulgrim's second, possibly third, major transformation. Um, yeah, in this true. series. Um, and yet, I bet he'll be much the same when we next see him as he's ever been. You know what I mean? Like, um, with a bit of added, like, horns and shit. You know, like, um, I bet, like, I know he did at least temporarily turn into a big snake thing, but I bet he's, like, 
I bet he crops up again as just like a dude in space, you know, like a, a Primark mm-hmm. in space wing armor. And like, which is, I suppose is just making the point you've made about like this book managing to kind of speak the language of great consequence and stuff and end up sort of without stuff being or like stuff that you're told has changed dramatically but you like when you actually go hold on uh, you know it sort of seems like it maybe hasn't but yeah i think like 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 i say i'm I'm sad that i can't remember more of the details in which i sort of base this opinion but like um yeah i think like there was a sense of i think that was a sense of flair and a sense of like a writer doing what he does on good form you know like um Mm -hmm. with a lot of the just the descriptions of the scenes and and stuff and, and like again annoying that i can't remember what it was that made me think of this but like i think in the first half you'd first half discussion you'd had said that you thought like perturabo was emerging as you know like as one of the most interesting primarchs and i i was i was sort of seeing what you meant but i wasn't quite seeing it in the first half but then mm-hmm. the second half it really it really came out i thought it was really um you know interesting um as far as the primarchs go yeah, I think like all of the um, Primarchs have had a sort of good whinge at not being treated fairly in some way or other. And I've always thought, oh, just fuck off. Perturabo does have real legitimate beefs in that like he's a builder, but he's just used to batter shit down. And it, it, like nobody cares to ask him about you know what he can do he can do more he can build stuff yeah but nobody nobody's nobody bothers to find that out about him but nobody that, even asks him any questions he they, they just send him to do the real shitty work i mean even that that's actually pretty interesting because like, that's sort of that's almost like um that you know that's obviously a particular story for him but that could be a good you know that almost could be an interesting representation of um, the this the situation with Primarchs as a whole, you know, it's like um, they have these superhuman abilities and could do all these magnificent things, not in the conduct of war, but they're just used to mm. k- kill and destroy, you know. And and I think like with this, his sort of gimmick being like building frames that quite nicely, you know. It's like he wants to yeah. he wants to build, but he's used sort of actively to do the opposite of that, like to to um, do like siege warfare yeah. and stuff you know um so i thought it was, that was that was part of what made him him cool nice but so that's it we're, we're finished with that one next time is betrayer blood for the blood god which sounds like an interesting one um I, this could go really uh, any way it's um it's goes back to the ultramar um story that we've we've spoken about before but is from the perspective of world eaters and word bearers right. so word bearers we like a whole lot they're the ones who sermonize all the time have um like books on their armor have flaming hands books on their uh, ships rather open up trivial books guns. on their ships exactly here's a laser gun um and world eaters suck um they're the ones who are always like clenching their teeth just about to explode in mad fits of of rage um so we'll see how that goes um but uh yes we will we will be doing that next episode um so will that only leaves us to thank our listeners why don't you go ahead and do that yeah no thanks thanks very much for listening especially when 
especially to this podcast, which, you know, I, I apologize for the lack of detail I've been able to bring to bear in support <laughs> in my opinions. But, um, but thanks for listening and um, hopefully the recording schedule for the next one will afford me, um, will mean that I can afford, what the fuck am I saying? Will mean that I can provide more details um, to support my thoughts on the book. But uh, but yeah, thanks very much for listening and we do appreciate it. I mean, um, yeah, there you go. Please yeah. please keep on listening. Horrorsheretics at gmail.com if you want to shoot us an email. Um, that's our only point of contact on the internet <laughs> um, so there you go uh, um, that's all we've got so yeah thanks very much and we will see you next time bye